But today, everybody say today. Today is Sunday. My little Frank Sinatra voice. We're starting a three-week series. And we're going to look at a story you all know. But I've heard this story forever. But if you really dig a little deeper into it, you may really walk walk away realizing how substantial it was what Noah did. Anybody ever heard of Noah? Two people have heard of Noah? Wow. We're changing lives. <laughs> Just kidding. I know everybody knows Noah. And um, he had a sea ray. And um, he didn't like paying the gas bill, so he went and built an ark instead. Because insurance, everything, gas bill, you know what boat stands for. Anyway, he didn't want to deal with that. So, so he went and built an ark instead because the motorboat thing just wasn't working for him. That's not in the Bible. That was a joke. Okay? It's a joke. It wasn't true. It wasn't true. Did he just lie to me? No, we were joking. I want to give you a passage today. Genesis chapter 6, verse 13 through 22. This is the commissioning of the man Noah to build a big boat. A big boat. A huge boat. If we look at verses 13 through 22, it says, And God said to Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Sound familiar? The earth was full of violence, sin, idolatry, corruption, self-fullness, not selflessness, self-fullness. And God destroyed the earth. Aren't you glad glad that God destroyed it back then? With water. (laughs) Next time it'll be different, he says. But we won't go there because we're we're Christians. We don't have to sweat it. But at least the water part's over. But maybe the water is not as bad. I don't know. We don't don't, don't preach. We don't scare people. God said to Noah, the end of the earth and all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make yourself an ark of some gopher wood in the Lowe's Isle 6. Make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and outside with pitch. How many know what pitch is? Come on, people. It's like a tar. It's like a binding agent to seal. You got to pitch your ark or you can have some water leaks. You know, everybody carries a can of pitch in the kitchen, in the, in the closet. Lowe's Isle 7 next to the gopher wood is the pitch supply. And this is how you shall make it. Now, keep notice here that God is detailed. You always hear me preach details matter. (laughs) Jen, it matters. (laughs) And uh, details matter to God. If it wasn't clear sometimes, it wouldn't be precise. God is patient. Verse 17, and behold, I myself am bringing, and behold, I myself am bringing floodwaters on the earth and destroying from heaven all flesh, in which is the breath of life, and everything that is on the earth shall die. Hmm, I was feeling good about this, says Noah, until he says that. But I will establish establish my covenant with you, and you shall go up in the ark, and you, your sons, your wife, and your sons' wives with you, and every living thing of all flesh, you shall bring two of every sort into the ark. Sorry, mic issues. To keep them alive with you, and shall be made. God was giving them just enough to produce more later so he could restart the garden called the earth. Two of everything, 
male and female. Verse 20, of the birds after every kind, and animals after every kind, and of every creeping thing of the earth after its kind. Two of every kind will come to you to keep them alive. And ye shall take for yourself of all the food that is eaten, and ye shall gather it to yourself, and it shall be food for you and for them. Thus Noah did according to all God had commanded him. So did he. The title of the series today is Raising the Bar. In this first week, we're calling it Calling. It's three weeks of raising the bar and how God instilled a calling on Noah's life. And before any boat was built, Noah had to answer the call. No call, no boat. No action, no faith. Raising the bar. I can't even imagine the pressure. I mean, we know the story. He got mocked. But forget the mocking. How did he do it? How did he get all the animals? It says two of every single kind, male and female. Obviously, don't want to get in the biology class here, but so for reproduction's purposes, we can multiply the earth again after. In God's next season, he has planned for his creation. And then the food. How big was the pantry to store enough food? Now, I don't want to jump ahead here, but I think they're on the boat a total of maybe a year, something like that. That's a lot of food back in that day to store in a non-perishable situation for that long. But I'm sure they had their ways, and their ways are sufficient for the time. But I can't imagine building that ark. I mean, you've seen the shortages we have now because of corona, getting stuff. Can you imagine gathering all the wood, gathering all the pitch? It's more than a can, okay? And it's more than the five-gallon ladies, okay? It's a lot of pitch to pitch that entire football field of a boat. Where did he get it? Did he have a barge come in? from the Mediterranean with everything that, G, that, that God sent? Somehow, he got it. And the Bible doesn't put everything in there because we don't need to know how because we know he did. And then if God put everything in there, we would no longer need the faith to uh, wonder how God could do something so magnificent beyond something that the world said would never happen, that it's impossible, but we know that he did. We know that the ark, actually, if you want to really get into it, we found the ark, I think, back in the 80s. It's frozen up in Turkey or something. It's been frozen in a mountain. I've been hearing that my whole life. I've never seen it. I don't know if they ever got to it or not. That's a Dan question. But I know that there's a frozen boat that they found on top of a mountain, and it lines up with the story. And if you want to call it the Ice Age, you can, but we call it the postmodern flood times when things froze, and then it thawed back out, and we found the boat because the boat really happened. It's really weird when you connect the dots that this really happened. There's really a boat. It sounds good on paper, and then you see the boat. it freak you out in a good way, of course. But I just can't imagine. And here's what's so cool is this story is not about a boat in some water. This is also a prophecy in multiple ways. God used the Old Testament to prophesy of the Messiah coming. God divided the people from the old to new. He washed away, made clean, started again. See the water symbolism? Just like the Red, the Red Sea. Again, he washed away and started, he washed away the sin. He washes away the sin again here in Genesis. He's constantly doing in the Old Testament, in the literal, what he brings through Christ in the New Testament, in the spiritual. So if you see the pattern, you go, there's something to this Bible. No wonder people still believe it. 
There's more to it than just some stories. Amen. Amen? Amen. That's good. But it all starts with calling. God wants to raise the bar on each one of you in your life. Raise the bar like bring it up a notch in the spiritual goodness of blessing and purpose. Calling. Raise the bar. Some of y'all don't know where the bar is at. That's okay because God does. As long as it's raising, it's doing something for God when it's for his, his glory. And calling something we think is saved for preachers and pastors. He was called. I don't know about you, but nobody rang my smartphone when I decided to do this church. In fact, I always wondered, how does that happen? And then I started listening to some other pastors talk about it. And I thought, okay, I'm not crazy. It happened like that. It's a series of seasons and thoughts and periods. And it comes piling over over a time. Calling happens over a time. It's not really a moment like a collect call from heaven. Dear Antonio, I would like to call you today and let you know that it's time you do my will. Well, it does start with a decision, but however, calling happens over a season because God is training you up. Before Noah could build the ark, he had to decide to accept the call. And that took action in the spite of his peers, which were seriously mocking him. Anybody ever been um, scorned or teased in a modern way for your, for your faith? Persecuted, the Bible calls it. Uh, made fun of, teased, insulted, spit on. All kinds of stuff happens for your faith. That's all part of the process of answering the call. And I'm not saying it should be that way, but that's the way of the world. And the Bible does say if you endure persecution, rejoice, because you're doing the Father's will. When you endure, it says mothers against daughters, fathers against sons. People get ugly when you start doing something for God because they really want to follow and they're scared themselves to answer the call. You got to answer. We think it's safe for preachers and pastors, but it's something God has intended for everyone in this room and everyone in this world. And the hardest start to pursuing the will of God in our lives is the willingness to answer the call. I hit this season, and I give my personal story that it may resonate with you so you can realize we're all human and we all fight this. But in my season, it was like, what could have been if I, I was hitting my late 30s, and for a decade I was going, should I do that? No, I'm, I'm, I'm supposed to do, I've labeled myself as only adequate for God in this way. I'm doing this for God, and this is what I do for God. And God says, who told you that? Oh, I did. <laughs> I get it. And so, so I kept having that ring around the rosy with the Lord. And, and finally I got to a point and I said, I said, what if I'm missing my greatest days if I don't do this? What if my greatest days are by answering the call and not avoiding it? What could have been in 50 years if I look back and go, remember when you initiated that? And you thought nothing was happening and you thought it wasn't fast enough and it wasn't good enough. And God says, look at all the transition because of it. It's generational because you are willing to answer my call. And I personally didn't want to live in the regret of knowing I bypassed my best days because I simply, I simply didn't want to step out of my me box. Does that offend anyone? Can we say my me box? And that's like not politically correct because it means like we're not perfect to begin with. I'm not perfect. And I had to step out of my me box because I was in my me box. My me box was, well, it was all about everything about me. And I finally said, this is not satisfying. This isn't fulfilling. I don't think this is the way the gospel, I don't think this lines up with my me box. 
And then, I, and then God says, you mean your me box doesn't line up with my word. Because my word doesn't return void. And your me box is returning void over and over again. And you can impress a lot of people, but I'm not impressed by that. And that won't sustain you. So I, I had that, like, real talk with God and fought it for a long time. And so my question to you this morning is maybe you're battling something similar and you don't even know that this is for you because you think it's, it's elevated to, to uh, the Levites or, or, the, or the ministry or, or, or some kind of pastor or something like that. And it's not. This is for everybody's walk on this earth. Is, are you fighting against the greatest days you've yet to encounter? Are you fighting against your best days? Oh, my word. In hindsight, can you imagine Remember, you ever had like a deal or an opportunity and it was like a time-sensitive thing? Like maybe you're trying to buy a house or a car and someone else got it and you missed it? Now, the good news with God is he's got a supply that won't run dry and you don't have to worry about somebody else buying your spiritual car because he's got another one for you. But when it comes to seeking purpose, we don't wait. We go after it because tomorrow's no guarantee. So when we have the air to breathe, like they did here before the flood. We go, we go after it because we don't know what tomorrow holds. And so we want to find our best days and not fight against them because that's when God's going to flood your life. But instead of with wiping us out, he's going to flood us with joy unspeakable because of the cross. Because of the cross. Does anybody remember the cross? Come on, y'all. Come on, it matters, right? We're doing baptism Sunday. Do you know the Bible? Baptism's a big deal. We should, when we hear baptism Sunday, we should shout for that. Christine and Mike, remember that? It's the greatest day in this church, out by the pond. In a, ew, pond. I had to baptize them in a pond, and I'm thinking, stand by me, Rusty. And I'm th- talking to Nate, leeches. Is there any leeches in this thing? And he's like, no, it's fine, PJ. You're too, you're too, you're too county-fied or whatever. And I said, okay, I'll do it for the Lord. And today, that is my favorite moment in this church was that baptism Sunday out in the water. And I mean, outside of inside the worship, of course, it's the best. I love it. But that was so special because lives were changed dramatically. We had like seven or eight people that day. Mike and Vincent's cousin and uh, David Fairley and Matt Garcia. Yeah, Matt, I remember. And, um, And all these people, because they were hungry for God. And that's when you see that, that shift. That's, that's someone going after purpose. When you see the shift in the heart, that is like so much deeper than the things on the surface. Remember, Jesus says, that which is greater, which you can't see with these, but that you can see in the spirit, or can't hear with these here in the sound system, but you can hear in the spirit. Those are the things that make the fruit of the, on the surface worthwhile because it's inside. It's a heart condition. So all that to say, in this first step of Noah's obedience to God's word, was his willingness to answer the calling. So will you today answer when God calls? Because God desires to raise the bar on your life, and it starts today. He didn't say go build Rome today. He says start living for me today. Coming into church is a great way to start. And so that's, that's amazing. And God says, I got more. Now I want you to come into church. I want you to get in my word. I want you to pray for somebody this week. I want you to pray for somebody you don't like. Ooh, really? Yeah, says the Lord. Like think of the person that made you the most annoyed in your life and pray for them because God loves you anyway. 
that it's not about how you feel for them. It's about that God loves them. And so that will change something in you and how you see people. And so all these little things are you step by step. Those are little steps. And so, so when I was fighting this calling, God says, the church you want doesn't exist. And I want you to do more. And you think you're not qualified. And so I said, I got it, Lord. I'm going to start a made business. Made cleaning service. Can we say made? I started a cleaning service. I think made has been outlawed. I don't even know. Who could keep track? So I started a cleaning service, and, and I felt the conviction of the gospel not going forward because I knew that was really in my heart, so I called it Maids of Grace. Grace. I'm like, we're spreading the gospel when we clean people's homes. Now, keep in mind, uh, I've never done like the, like, the, like the hands-on service industry. I've done like software stuff and real estate stuff and other types of stuff. But dealing with people who clean homes and people that get their homes cleaned, oh, my Lord, there's some different folks out there. And I wasn't used to that. And I quickly said, this is not for me. We had, we had, we had was it Jobber? We had all these tools set up. We were doing payroll and all these things. We were getting some business. We were doing homes for free, two-hour free clean, just to get in the door, give them a taste of what we could do. And they were never happy, and they were mean, and they sent me nasty notes, and they wouldn't pay their, like, give them an extra hour. They wouldn't pay their $10, like, something after a free two-hour clean. Like, they were just miserable human beings, and they would never be here because they live on some other planet. I'm just saying they're out there somewhere. But I said, this is not, this is not it. What that was was me diverting the call to Nineveh. Like Joe, uh, like, like, oh my Lord, like Jonah, not Job, gee whiz, excuse me, caffeine, it's back there. When you divert the call, it doesn't work as good. Now, I'm not saying you're not going to learn something because I learned some things about some people, and I said, well, that's not what I want to do going forward. Now I know what to avoid. Now I know how to handle situations by avoiding them because that's not bringing the fruit I thought it would. And so, so there was growth in that season, but that was not the call God was tugging at me at that time. And I was fighting with Michelle. And Michelle's like, I don't want to be the one answering the phone, talking to these people, and I don't want to do this. This is your idea. And all of it was because I was fighting the real call to plant 1C Church. So that went on for, in total, a decade. The maid business was like 70% of the way through it. But God was showing me things through that struggle. He was showing me that I was fighting his commandment to build the ark. It's, it's risky. Oh, Nate's going to hate me today because I'm not even in the point one yet, and we're already running. When we have a building someday, we can just keep flowing. I'm not saying like three hours like some churches, but we can flow past the, you know, the thing because we got you know, to be out and everything. But I'm not going to worry about it because God's doing something right now. The biggest problem to accepting a call is fear of risk, the initiation of it. What will my peers think? Will they laugh at me because I stepped out in faith and did something different? Well, let me tell you, if they laugh and they leave you, they didn't love you anyway. And I'm sorry to say it, but that includes relatives. It's a, it's a dirty world. And the devil will use anybody they can to hurt you when you're bold and you step out like David. They'll crush your confidence. They'll tell you you're not good enough. They tell you you're not worthy. They'll tell you you're not qualified. They're telling you can't do anything. It's not going to happen for you because you're not worthy. God never says that about us in the Bible. So I go back to my word. And remember that the devil is the author of lies. And so that's the fear we fight in calling is that we forget that God gives the increase. 
It's a matter of being clay. And if God can shape his clay, he can do some things. So he knew Noah was fresh clay, and he was going to build this ark. Otherwise, he would have asked somebody else to do it. But he had to call on he who he knew would do the initiation of taking the risk. What will people think? What if I fail? I don't feel qualified. It's the hardest step. You know, like, um, anybody ever go to, like, sports camp when they're a kid? And any, any mamas, mamas, boys, mamas, girls, daddies, girls in here from when they're, when they're youth? Not anymore. We're grown-ups. Anybody? Nobody was a mama's boy except me? Okay. Ben, Selena. And so I liked being with my mom. And Tony, I liked being with my mom. I didn't, I hated school, but same school, kids. I, I didn't like it as a youth because I got teased a lot, and I just wanted to stay with my mom because I fought anxiety because people were mean. I was a little chunky, and I'd wear a jacket, and I had, I had issues. And so people would leech onto you if you're sensitive, and they'd, they'd be mean and all this stuff. So I, I would like to be with my mom until I got older, you know, and things changed. It was all good. But, but why, why am I telling you all that? Oh, the sports camp. So one time I went to sports camp, and I was telling, I was telling Michelle this story the other day. And um, anybody remember shirts and skins, flag football? Well, back in the day, that's probably not PC either. Can we do shirts and skins football to, to the boys? Well, they make one team take their shirts off. That's how you knew what team you were. And the other team do your, do your T-shirt and shirts and skins. No, yeah, and the shirts, the skins would wear their shirts. And so I was on the skins team, and I was a little, you know, pudgy, and I didn't like the way I looked, and I wouldn't swim in the, in the pool with the, without the T-shirt because I didn't like the way I looked, and they were going to make me play on the skins team. I'm like, I want to be on the shirts, you know. It's funny now. You ever seen the, the kid from Goonies? It wasn't quite that bad, just a couple notches below him. That's where I was. <laughs> That's how it felt, at least. And so I did it, and I hated it for a minute, and then I realized nobody even cared. I didn't get, I didn't get teased like I thought. What actually drew more attention was that I was resisting just being like the rest of the kids. Now, I'm not saying you want to be like the rest of the kids in all situations, but sometimes when you answer the call, you don't have to be so scared because it's a release. That part, that's the hardest part is answering. And when we planted this church, there was a moment where I wouldn't tell anybody for like a long time, but in my mind, I knew what I was planning and, and what the Lord was speaking. I was pretty sure it was the Lord or it might be Jeff speaking to myself. I don't really know because Michelle says I have a problem going after things. And if I want to do it, I just do it. And she don't like that because sometimes we can't just be happy with what we have. Anybody ever felt that? But it's all spiritually anointed, by the way. So we had this moment in the loft, and we, we were spending this time watching YouTube clips of worship. And um, I confessed it. I didn't say, if this is what God wants, I said, this is what we have to do. I just said it. I wasn't asking at that point. I just said, this is what we have to do. And this weight just went, I was fighting anxiety for months, Vincent, getting up because I thought it was fear of starting church, starting ministry, is because I was resisting the call. Because guess when the anxiety went away? When I said, this is what we're doing. This is what God said to do. And if I'm wrong, then we gave it our best. But I believe God said to do this. And now in hindsight, I've never been so sure. My kids are changing. Our church has people. We started with nobody. We started with Gwaltneys. And too many Gwaltneys alone is a bad thing. We wanted some outsiders. <laughs> if a Gwaltney don't tease you, they don't love you, my grandpa always said. So God is doing something. 
And it's just so amazing to see, see what God is doing. But it took initiation, and that is the, the greatest fear. If we worry about the details up front, we will never move forward. You can plan, but don't stop. Don't wait. Quit waiting. Start smaller. If you're not sure how to start, you want to be too aggressive, start smaller. These people that don't want to come back to church because they're still waiting on corona, they're going to be waiting on corona for five more years because they're really just saying, I've trained myself to wait. Corona is no longer a reason. And so when that happens, and I think we're like right there, they're going to say, what do I do now? And God says, you have trained yourselves out of my house. You have trained yourselves into the world's ways to sit in your house and do nothing with your life. And God says, my church is still alive, and my church needs you in its house. It's not a game. It's not a concert. We dance because we're worshiping. But this is a mission, and we're hungry to get it out. God's going to do something when we answer the call. And before Noah ever started assembling from the stuff on the pallet from the Lowe's man, he said, I'll do it. That was the bigger decision. I'll do it. I'll do it despite them hating on me because guess what? They hated on him. And rightfully so. I mean, he looked foolish. Can you imagine? Would you have believed him? I probably wouldn't have. I say, this guy's straight crazy. Jen? Straight crazy. We need to call security on this guy. But that's how God does it. He does it in the way that doesn't. Oh, man. I got to keep it in because I got some more coming from you. When God is going to do something crazy and when you don't plan it, woo! It's going to shake you up. You just wait. One seed church is doing things. God is doing things through one seed church. So here's what's interesting, is if we decide to answer the call like Noah did, God's going to raise the bar on your life. It's that simple. When you say, I'm going to live for you, God, I want to do what you want, and if I have to give up things, guess what? You don't have to give up nothing because you quit desiring the same things. Your, your taste for life changes. And so when that happens, God's going to do something really cool here that he did for Noah. Isn't it interesting, where is it? He says in 21, you shall take for yourself of all food that is eaten, and you shall gather it for yourself, and it shall be food for you for them. All the animals, he said, gather a pair. Where did he tell them to store the supply? In the boat. So God is saying, if you want to be fed by me, and if you want to be provisioned, or receive my provision, which is my supplies, guess what you got to do? You got to get on the boat. Because if you stay outside the boat, no food. No animals, no life. God is telling you in the spirit that there is no life outside of his boat. God was telling Noah in the literal, outside of my boat, there is no life. So until you get in my ark, you can't access the food that I had you store up. That means God used Noah to bring the food into the storehouse to provide back. You see what I'm doing here? God is taking your service to the Lord, and he's multiplying it to bless you back. And in order to use what he's given you, that you brought into his storehouse, you got to get in the ark yourself. Because if you don't get in, it's going to be washed away, he says. You can't access it from the outside, because I'm about to flood everything else. 
It doesn't have access. It doesn't have, have, have access. Oh, I almost geeked out for a minute. It doesn't have the little code that is texted to you, and you don't have the code because it expired because the access has run dry when that boat sets sea. So if you don't get, <clears throat> excuse me, dry mouth. If you, don't, if you don't accept the code when it comes in and you punch it in the thing and you get on the boat before the two-factor authentication expires, you're in trouble, he says, with my will. Now, that was to Noah. And we're all in God's grace. Oh, God is so good. Nothing bad can ever happen to me, says no apostle. Says no one in the New Testament. You can expect a battle, but by God's grace, he's provided an opportunity that the people from Genesis didn't have. That's the difference. That's the difference. I would say grace is the doorway. Faith walks through the grace doorway. James says, faith without works is dead. I'll show you my faith by my works. It doesn't mean your works save you. It means what I have in my heart is revealed by what I do with my life. And if I don't do it with my life and there's no fruit to show what's in my heart, my heart is revealing what my life really is. And that doesn't have to stay permanent. So God says, get in the boat. Get in the boat. The boat's leaving maybe tomorrow, maybe next week. My supply is met by the call. Answering the call gets me access to the supply. He supplied Noah through the calling. That means if he wanted a McChicken on, after the flood, he had to eat it on the boat. Because you know he went to McDonald's and stored it all. Bought some bulk off the dollar menu, threw it up in that thing. <laughs> That's what my dad would do. <laughs> oh, Dan, we know how you love McDonald's. We go on a trip together, and there's like, there's seafood. No, it's by the ocean, and there's all these great places. He's like, hey, there's a Waffle House. Now, I'm kind of a, I'm a little bit more snobby than I'm like, we are not doing a Waffle House by the ocean, okay? There's like fresh snapper over here. There's like, there's like that place from Triple D over here. And you're telling me you want to go get a, a McChicken, or you want to go get a waffle from Waffle House? Save that for 2 a.m., we're not doing that here. Love you, Dad. Anyway, we always have that discussion every trip we go on. God gives us a decision to choose the only path that is good. You see that? He offered Noah the choice, but it was the only choice he could really take. Does that make sense? Let this sink in for a minute. We think we're in control here in this life. God is in control. And I, I love people and in, in, in God's people, and I, I've, I've learned to love everybody for the best that's in them. But I'm not the decision maker. God is. And so, so God is offering us a choice through his gospel that we don't have an alternative option like we think because it leads to destruction. And we don't like to hear that because it offends people. I didn't write it. If I wrote it, it'd be picture Bible, like I said. Then I wouldn't stutter like last week. It'd be so much easier. I'm not commissioned to give you my word. I'm commissioned to give you God's word. Will you answer when God calls? God desires to raise the bar on your life, and it starts today. Today. That decision to trust God is what feeds your soul, and your children. You know he took his family 
if he hadn't decided to get on the boat, what would have happened to his family? Ooh, this is getting serious, Pastor. Yeah, I know. They would have been wiped away too. Now, I know you all love yourself. I love myself, but I love my kids more. And so, if anything, I'm getting on the boat because of my children. And that when they grow up, they shall not stray because I've trained them up as the Bible said I should. And then they can make the decision for their own children because they're growing up and they're strengthened by the gospel, by the word. So if you're disqualifying yourself from getting on the boat because of your past, even though God says, I'm not worried about that. If you can't get past that, say, I'm going to get past it anyway for my kids because God called them on the boat when he called me on the boat. And that's a big deal. That's a big deal. When we face that fear of initiating the risk of answering the call, our expectation of what happens in our faith is met by grace on demand. God has got a streaming service called grace on demand. That means every time you try to do his will and you feel like you're finally going to hit the bottom and you can't do anymore, he says, that's where my grace is. I got you. Jesus says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Because what he's really saying is when you think you're carrying something, I'm coming on right behind you. I heard a pastor once say it. This was a great illustration. Remember the little bubble vacuums? The little kids, they think they're vacuuming. They think they're cleaning. They think they're doing something. But behind, behind the vacuum is Jesus helping the child just like we help the child. That's how he sees us. We're like the little kids with the bubble vacuum. We're like, we're doing it. We're really vacuuming the carpet. And the parents say, no, you're not doing nothing. I'm the one who cleans that carpet. But I got to teach you something so you have a little bit of faith. So we're like, we're like, even as grown men, it really never, we never expire in this way God sees us because he sees us as beautiful little children, white as snow. And we're just pushing, pushing the vacuum. We're pushing the vacuum. And we're like, yeah, we don't need Jesus. I don't need to go to church today. I can skip. I can do this because I got the vacuum. And God says, I'm the one cleaning the carpet. I'm the maid of grace, grace on demand. I'm the one doing it. And when you forget that I'm doing it, you need to get in my house. When you're no longer entertained by the menu, you need to get in the kitchen. When you're, when you're more confident now that the devil can hold a stronghold over you to keep from coming in my house than you are that I can bless you and protect you by being in my house, you're not having any faith in what my word says. That's the culture we're living in right now. They have more faith in, in what the news says then what God says. I'm not saying be foolish. I'm, I'm in the middle. I'm neutral. I'm the pastor. I got to be neutral. But I'm being honest. Like, like we've, we're training ourselves to out-trust uh, God with uh, the world. And so that's going to take us onto the dinghy, away from the ark. And those waves can't, the, boat, the dinghy can't handle the, You know what a dinghy is, anybody? You're seeing like Fantasy Island or something, the little escape boat? Those waves are going to overtake the dinghy, let me tell you. We got some grounding going on there. I think it may be the channel 16, but I'm not sure. Here's why Noah was chosen. We got a serious grounding going through the, the monitor. Here's why Noah was chosen. Simple and foremost, why God chose him? Because he put God first. Yes, there we go. It's gone. He put God first. He put God first. It's that simple. Well, I could go out with them tonight and go to that party, or I could put God first. 
you can't play with fire because they say you get burned if you play with it. They don't say jump in it. They say play with it and you will get burned. I got to separate from the temptations that are burning me on a regular. I got to separate it. God first. WWJD, it works. Noah did all God had commanded him, commanded him because Noah put God first. And God, will, God being first in your life today will move you into an active calling. You're no longer thinking about it. You're doing something big for God. You're no longer thinking about, can I be used by God? Will I be used by God? What does God want to do with me? Let me think, 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 think. God says, I'm doing something now because you're saying, God, use me. You're pursuing God. You're seeking diligently after God's own heart. Will you answer when God calls? God is raising the bar on your life today. If y'all can stand this morning. God first. Touch your neighbor, tell him, God first. Tell him, I love you, but God first. I want the best for you, but God first. Some of you parents have been in that position where your children's done something really, really bad, and you want to you be there for them, and you are by telling them, God's first. It's got to be first. I love you, and because I love you, God has to be first for me and for you. It's a two-way for both the parent and the child. I'm no longer thinking about doing something. I'm doing something big today. God is greater. The reward is greater on the boat than in the water. Why would you want to settle for anything less than the best that God has? That made business was a horrible idea in my eyes. But God was equipping me in ways I didn't recognize in the moment, but in hindsight, oh, I see it now because it creates a tolerance in you to go through adversity and struggles you didn't face because until you can understand it, you can't witness to it, you can't handle it, you can't preach to it, and you can't lead to it until you've had to touch it. That's why everybody has a testimony in here. There's people that have battled cancer, corona, disease, uh, uh, relational issues, marriage issues, on and on. That's your testimony. That's not, it's not the pastor's job to give every testimony to every person. It's the church's job to witness to the lost, to, to bring, to bring um, help to the hurting, to touch those who need a, a healing, a, just touch of love, just an opening, just a, an ear, just an ear to listen a lot of times is what they need. And they're so used to being told what to do that they're not even really opening their arms to Jesus because they're used to the religion of the world telling them what to do. But God says, I'm here to hear you. The church says, I'm here to hear what you need. I'm here to listen. I learned this early on. I thought when something really bad happened and I got a text that I had to give some kind of like little little bite of wisdom and some things I didn't know how to speak to because they were bigger than myself. They were bigger than my experience. They were bigger than anything I've ever faced. And I said, God, I don't know how to give something to him. He says, it's because you don't need to. They want you to listen. That's a good tip. I mean, I know we're only, I'm only three years in, but that's a rookie pastor mistake. And so I learned from that. And so I had to learn the hard way from that. And we all learn the hard way from some of these little things, but God uses them to get us on the boat. God uses them to get us on the ark. It's the only option. 
God has a big plan in front of all of you today if you're willing to get on the boat and take it. I know you heard preachers always preaching, uh, preaching prosperity over your life, but I'm just preaching the word that God does have the best for you in store. I'm not saying when you go after God's best, it's going to always be pleasant. I'm not saying the diet's going to be good, but if you want to burn the calories, you got to cut out the junk food. I'm not saying it always tastes the best up front. Sometimes you got to fight through it. Sometimes you're just straight up mad at God and you say, why are you doing this to me? Is this even your will? I don't know, but I'm going to stick with you because I saw what you did just like Mary and Martha. They were ticked off at Jesus because he didn't raise Lazarus fast enough, but they still remember that he was the resurrection, so they stuck with him, and he still pursued greater things after them because they knew enough to keep walking by faith. That's the same with us. That's what walking in your calling is. My walk never stops. I keep walking when it hurts. I keep walking when it feels good. I keep walking in the mountain, and I keep walking in the valley. I keep walking because God's word shall not return void. Now I want to pray. I put on my notes today, don't yell. Because I just like, my throat was a little weird today and I thought, don't yell. But, you know, I can't. I just try to like not, you know. Anyway, I want to ask somebody today. Everybody close your eyes. This is not an altar call. This is not a make you uncomfortable thing. But everybody close your eyes. Come on, try it with me. Don't worry about it. Nobody's looking at you anyway. I love you all, but you're not all that to be stared at the whole time. Come on. If there's anybody today that's fighting that, that is hearing this word, and that says, this is it. I want to get on the boat for real. I want to be on the boat. I don't want to be in the dinghy. I want to be on the boat. If it's you, just raise your hand and let me know that God is touching somebody in this house, that you want to move forward, that you want to do something different. And maybe some of y'all already been on the boat, and that's good too. But maybe some of you have never been on the boat, and you've been standing on the shore, and you're tired of it. I'm tired of it, says says God's people. That's good. Thank you for being honest. Thank you for reaching out. God is good. And I want to speak over your life now as we close in prayer that God has a big, big purpose over your life and everybody on the boat and anybody willing to get in the boat. Because when you get in the boat, God says, this is your greatest path to joy. This is your greatest path to my kingdom. This is your only path. And so embrace it because I know what's best for you. God, have your way on these children today. Your people, Lord, we're all your sheep, all your children, God. Treat us as you would treat, we treat our children, little children of pure faith, God. Let us get to that kind of faith, Lord, that when we accept you for who you are and we can find a question what you're going to do, that we can have childlike faith because we will run to that boat. We will run to it when that happens. And God, we are thankful that we get to preach the gospel. When the world is being shut down, the truth shall still set us free. This week, let us remember this word. Let it root up something new. Let us pray. If we've never prayed before, let us start a devotional. If we've never started a devotional before, let us ask questions. Let us spend some time with you, Lord, and keep us safe now as we know you will. And if the house of God could say, in Jesus' name, everybody say amen.